The following is a sermon from Living Hope Bible Church in Port Rowan, Ontario. For more information about our church, please visit livinghopebiblechurch.ca. Thank you for choosing to listen to the Living Hope Bible Church podcast. We are beginning our podcast by looking into the book of Colossians. We're beginning our series as we look at the greatness of Jesus. He is our King, our Lord and Savior. What does that mean for our lives? Today's message is from Pastor Mark. He's the lead pastor at our church. Let's listen in. Well, good morning, church. It is good to be with you again this morning. It is good to be uh, back from vacation. Uh, my wife and I enjoyed, and my boys enjoyed some uh, time away and uh, time to uh, reflect and just uh, refocus and uh, kind of re-energize and refresh and all those other R words that you can come up with. And so it was good to be away, and it was good to be back here this morning again. Man, it is so weird looking at everybody with masks on. Oh, may God grant grace. I, I struggle with it too, brothers and sisters. <laughs> it's like a bunch of masked bandits looking at me. I, I don't have anything. I didn't steal nothing, I promise. But uh, no, it is really good to be back, and I'm excited to uh, uh, be back preaching God's word to you, and I'm just going to trust that God is going to just truly bless you this morning through his word. I do want to say, though, uh, thank you to Pastor Josh and uh, Pastor Tom Warner. They're not here right now. Maybe they're going to be listening to the podcast, but just thank you so much for your faithfulness and, uh, and your willingness to uh, continue moving us through this uh, series in Colossians. So thank you for um, shout, continuing to preach the word forth and encourage the church. Um, you can turn in your Bibles, please, to Colossians chapter 4. We're going to be focusing this morning on verse 2. But as you're turning, the one thing that I realized that when I was on vacation, uh, you know when you go on vacation, you want to try to get away from everything, right? And you just want, to, you want everything to kind of fade away and get away, and you can just kind of live in this. There's no problems, no issues, and you just have a blast with no, nothing going on. Anybody else want that? When you go on vacation, just lift your hands. I can't see your faces. Just lift your hands. Okay, good. I, I want that, right? But one thing that was very clear is no matter where you go right now because of COVID, you're still in uncertainty everywhere you go. There's still uncertainty everywhere. Like, should I be doing this? Man, these people are looking funny at me. Am I, did I do something wrong? Should I be doing something different? Did I walk funny? It's just, it's totally uncertain. We live in uncertain times. I don't need to tell you this. Like, you know this. It's not like newsflash. We live in uncertain times. We all know that, Right? Um, but it's, it's just, I feel like, am I doing the right thing? Am I not doing the right thing? I probably just did something I shouldn't have done, and I did that this morning, and I'm sorry. And it's like, okay, Lord, forgive me. Like, this is how we kind of function. The best is, have you ever, hold the, have you ever held the door open for somebody now? Did you ever do that? That's totally the best, because they have no idea what to do. So I was holding the door open. I, I try to still do that, and I'll hold the door open, but it's kind of like you open the door, and then that person kind of stops, and then they're kind of like, and they go really quickly through. It's like, thank you, right? It's like, you just don't know what to, like, has anybody experienced that? Like, it totally happens. Thank you. It, it totally does. Nobody knows what to do. Like, is it okay? So you just turn your back and say, go for it. Good to see you. Uncertain times, right? But I love, I love in Scripture that God is so clear, crystal clear. There is things that he has called us to do, even when times are uncertain, that we can do with absolute certainty and absolute clarity. God has many things for us to do, and we're going to focus on one thing this morning. One specific thing God would have each of his children do in times of uncertainty. We have been given a clear call by God, and it is to pray. 
It's to pray. Listen, loved ones, listen. God's will is that we pray, all right? God's will is that we pray. So everything going on, listen, you can be absolutely sure that God in this time wants his children to pray, to pray. That's certain. I want you to, if you haven't already, Colossians 4, verse 2. All right, Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. I want you to look at the text here as I read it, okay? Now look at the text. I want you to see this in God's word. Now let's just make this so clear, okay? I don't want you looking at me. Look at God's word, all right? Look at somebody next to you. You're in your little bubble in your seat anyway, so it's okay. You can do that. You can share, all right? It says this, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Do you see that there? I want to say it again because it's so important, loved ones. It says this, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Now, Paul here is continuing his train of thought as he has just come. Uh, we learned this last week with Pastor Tom through uh, verse 18 through verse 2 of chapter 4 in chapter 3 there. Um, what happened is, is Paul has kind of shifted his thinking and he's giving practical ways of living out your faith in the Christian household. All right, the household of faith, how they are to live. And he talks about relationships, right? talks about a husband and a wife relationship and how they are to um, communicate and function together. Uh, it talks about how husbands and wives are supposed to relate to their children and children to their parents, all right? talks about in a, in a work relationship, a boss and employee or, and vice versa, how God is over all and has authority over all. And so Paul really gives some good practical implications on how to live out your faith in Christ. And that's following right on the coattails of chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. Now in Christ, this is how you are to live out your faith under the authority of Jesus Christ. Um, did you hear the last couple messages from Pastor Tom? Did you hear those? So you know exactly where he's been going with this. Paul's continuing that thought into this week uh, and into next week as we're going to continue this, moving into talking about prayer. He wants us to do something specific, and that is to pray. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to get like right back to the nuts and bolts of prayer, okay? We're going to kind of like go through uh, what prayer is. I'm going to answer three questions this morning, and we're going to pick this up again next week and answer two more, all right? We're going to answer three questions. What is prayer? How am I to do the, or sorry, why or who do we pray to? How am I to do the action of prayer? And we're going to focus on that, all right? I think it's so important that we, at times, go back to the basics, and we just kind of straighten things out, and we square things up, and we remind ourselves of some of the fundamentals of our faith and what God has called us to do, especially when we live today, all right? Things are confusing, and that confusion can slip into a lot of areas of our lives. So let's get this shored up again, and let's get firmed up on what prayer actually is, all right? Now, I'm going to tell you this right now. It's going to be basic. It is going to be basic this morning. Nothing's going to blow your mind like, I can't believe that. I didn't know that. No, most of, this, most of what we're going to be going through this morning, you're going to know. Um, but allow the Spirit of God to encourage your heart and stir you and remind you of the importance of prayer. All right? Amen? Amen, church? Okay, you are with me. You can hear you a little bit through those. That's perfect. So let's answer this question because Paul, and, and we know that. Did Paul just write this? Did Paul just write this? Did this, did this start with the Apostle Paul? Who did, who, did, who did Scripture start with? With the Lord, right? All Scripture is breathed out by who? By, by God. All Scripture is breathed out by God. So this is God's word for us, and this is what God wants us to do. When he says continue steadfastly in prayer, this is imperative. This is not an option. This is something we are called to do. So let's answer the first question. What is 
prayer, all right? What is prayer? Well, at the simplest, basic form, a definition for you is prayer is communication with God. Okay, kids, you got that? All right, because we have to teach you in this time too, right? Okay, kids, prayer is simply communication with God. That's what prayer is, all right? As I'm speaking to you, you speak to God, all right? Now, obviously different, I'm instructing you. Don't go instructing God, that doesn't go well, okay? But as I'm instructing you, um, same thing, we speak as I'm using my voice, and we'll get that into it in a minute, um, you are communicating with God. That is prayer, all right? It is communication with God. Are we clear? Uh, that's base. Everyone had kids? What's prayer? My boy's on the spot. I'm putting you right on the spot right now. Uh-oh. What's prayer? Communication with who? God. Okay, they whispered. They, they did say it. Okay? Prayer is communication with God. Okay, second is this. Who do we pray to? Now, you might be thinking, well, duh, Mark. We pray to God. Um, yes, we pray to God. All right? We pray to God. Now, you might think, well, that's so basic, Mark. Why are you going into this? Well, to be honest with you, uh, it's not as clear today as what it used to be. Now, let's just be honest. Um, this point and this truth is not as clear as what it used to be. So let's be clear. Um, who do we pray to? We pray to God, um, the God of the Bible, all right? Yahweh, the only one and true God, all right? Because we live in a culture today that does not believe that, and we live in a culture today that has twisted that and has brought in many different gods, all right, so it's so important that we understand this and we keep this truth firm in our hearts that we don't pray to other gods, we pray to the God of the Bible, all right? Now, um, listen, this is important too. Uh, we do not pray to dead relatives. We do not pray to apostles of the past, saints of the past. We do not pray to prophets of old. We do not pray to angels. We do not pray to people. We pray to God and God alone, Okay? God and God alone. All right, I've said this. This is a problem in our society. You say, well, what do you mean it's a problem in our society, Mark? How is it a problem? Well, there are many uh, in the indigenous community who pray to dead ancestors. There are many who do. There are many who pray to spirits. Uh, this is an issue. Praise God for our brothers and sisters in Christ and the indigenous communities that are going and spreading the gospel and teaching them of who God is. But the reality is this is happening in our country it continues to happen. It's been happening for years. That is confusing to many. Uh, not only that, maybe a little bit closer to home. Um, uh, what about Roman Catholicism? Now, they pray to Mary, the Holy Mother of God. And that's a real thing. And they pray to Mary because they believe that Mary is in heaven and she is making penance for those and being a mediator before God to answer the prayers of those that are here. That's all through our community. That's all through Canada. That's all through the world. <laughs> they pray to someone who has passed away. The reality is, though, loved ones, we are not called to pray to Mary. We are not called to pray to anyone dead. Nowhere in Scripture do we find examples of people on a good note praying to someone and God asking them to pray to somebody that's dead. We do find an example of something that prayed to somebody is dead, and I wouldn't follow that example. All right, it's an example of warning. It's in 1 Samuel chapter uh, 28. Do you remember that? Uh, Saul? Do you remember what Saul did? Uh, Saul, um, because of his wickedness and because he didn't obey the voice of the Lord, um, the Lord rejected him as king, made David king of Israel, but Saul was still reigning and hadn't kind of been through that process where, where the Lord had removed Saul yet. And so Saul inquires of the Lord when a battle came about for the Philistines, right? Do you remember this? And the Lord didn't answer Saul because of his wickedness. 
And so Saul says, well, I gotta, I gotta find out what to do. So he tells his counselors to go and find a medium. Really, it was the witch of Endor. All right, and he says, go and, and bring in. He deceived her and all these things and said, hey, I want you to conjure up Samuel for me. And God, for whatever reason, allowed it. He allowed Samuel to come up and pass the message on to Saul, but the message was not a good message. Uh, you're gonna be dead by this time tomorrow. All right, so that's the example we have in scripture, so don't go doing that. Uh, it won't be good for you. Um, but the reality is, is we are not to pray to anybody but God alone. No dead ancestors, no dead people, no nothing. Listen, uh, we don't need to. And this is so encouraging. And yeah, we're like here, yeah, well, we don't do that, Mark, but there are many who do. And so we need to continue to encourage with grace and love and teach others around us of what even Hebrews 4, 15 and 16 says. Remember what it says in that text? I'm gonna read it for you. It says this. I, I love this passage of scripture. It says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. We have struggles, we have weaknesses. Especially now, Right? They're a lot more pro or a lot more evident and shown. But it says here about one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We go to the throne of grace, the throne in which God sits upon, ruling and sovereign, and we go to him and we ask him for our needs, right? We've been granted access to the Father through the Son, Jesus Christ. Uh, no person can mediate in that sense, in which I'm saying, I'm not saying you can't pray for each other, that's not what I'm saying. Um, but we don't go to dead people and we ask them to mediate on our behalf. We go directly to the Father through the Son. Amen for that. All right, so listen, we don't pray to dead people, to dead ancestors, dead saints in the past. We don't pray to them. Uh, the second one, which I think is important that we touch on too, loved ones, because the culture we live in, is we do not pray to idols or images. All right? We do not pray to idols or images. I remember when I was window cleaning in Ajax, I ran a carpet and window cleaning business called Quality Carpet and Window Cleaning. It was great. So anyways, we, um, I would go and I'd clean windows and stuff. And so I had a, a business owner that I would clean his uh, business. It was a car dealership. And he said, hey, Mark, nice guy. He said, uh, I'd like you to go to my house and I'd like you to clean my inside and my outside of my windows. I said, okay, no problem. So he didn't really show me around the house. He's kind of like, here's the, the key and, and just put it in the mailbox when you're done. So I did. And I remember cleaning. I'm like, I got to check every door, make sure that there's windows because, you know, you don't know where they all are. And I remember opening a door, and it was this guy's prayer closet, and he was praying to a false Hindu god. That was his god. It was a picture of a woman with many arms and things all around, and that's who he prayed to. Now, this is, doesn't just happen in the city. This happens on our front door. This is happening all over the place. And so there is this great misunderstanding and great deception as we have in all different nations. We live in a great nation in Canada, and God has blessed us here. And many want to come and live here. Praise God for that. But they're bringing in all of their different ideologies and thinking and false religions, and it's seeping through the country. It has been for, for years and years and years and years. And so we could kind of take a back seat and be like, oh, that's who they pray to. It's like, no, 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 no. We are never to pray to an image or an idol. Now, God is very clear on that in Scripture. You look at the second commandment in Exodus chapter 20, verse 2, or verse 4. He says, you shall not make for yourself any carved or graven images, all right, of man and of beast, of anything, or bow down to them, or pray to them, or anything. Now, this is huge. Now, listen, God has some serious words to say to those who make and worship false idols. And we might think this is just happening in the Old Testament, right? 
Uh, but no, 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 no. It is happening all over the world still today in different cultures. Uh, but God has some things to say. Listen, I, I want you to turn. I think this is so important. I'm going to read this section to you. I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 44. And I want you to see what God thinks about those who make these idols and as a result, even those who worship these idols. It's not like God's like, I'm only upset with the ones who make it, but the ones who worship them, I'm okay with. No, no, no. Uh, this is how God feels about those who engage in false worship. This is so important to remind ourselves of this and what God says, all right? Isaiah 44, you there, loved ones? Okay, look at this. I'm gonna start in verse six, all right? I love this section. This is a great section. He says this. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. I'm pretty clear, right? There is no God besides me. And he goes, who is like me? Let him proclaim it. Let him declare and set it before since I appointed an ancient people. Before me, since I appointed an ancient people. Let them declare what is to come and what will happen. Let them tell the story. Let them declare. And God's, God, this is what God is saying clearly. He's, he's calling out and challenging the foolish thinking. And he says this to them. Fear not, nor be afraid. Have I not told you from of old and declared it? You are my witnesses. There is, sorry, is there a God besides me? Uh, rhetorical, obviously, right? He says this, there is no rock, I know not any. There is no other God. Now look at this, I love this. He goes in this, all who fashion idols are nothing. What does God think? That's pretty strong words. God's saying, all who fashion idols are nothing. Why? Look what he says, and the things they delight in do not profit. Their witnesses neither see nor know that they may be put to shame. Who fashions a god or casts an idol that is profitable for nothing? Like, this is crazy. Behold, his companions shall be put to shame, and the craftsmen are only human. Let them all assemble. Let them stand forth. They shall be terrified. They shall be put to shame together. Um, they're going to be shamed for their folly those that make them, but all, also those that worship them. It's the same thing. But look at this. He says this. He goes into explaining the, the foolishness of this. The ironsmith takes a cutting tool and works it over with coals. He fashions it with hammers and works it with his strong arm. He becomes hungry and his strength fails. He drinks no water and is faint. The carpenter stretches a line. He marks it out with a pencil. He shapes it with planes and marks it with a compass. God's getting into pretty clear detail, right? He shapes it into a figure of a man with the beauty of a man to dwell in a house. He cuts down cedars or he chooses a cypress tree or an oak and lets it grow strong among the trees of the forest. He plants a cedar and, he plants a cedar and the rain nourishes it. Then it becomes fuel for a man. He takes part of it and warms himself. He kindles a fire and bakes bread. Not only does he warm himself, he, he eats from it. Also, he makes a god and worships it. He makes it an idol and falls down before it. Half of it he burns in the fire. Over the other half he eats meat. He roasts it and is satisfied. Also, he warms himself and says, Ah, I am warm. I have seen the fire. 
and the rest of it he makes into a god, his idol, and falls down to it and worships it. He, note this, I want you to box, oh, you probably don't have a pen, sorry. If you have a pen on, you box that in your Bible, all right? He prays to it. <laughs> and he says, deliver me, for you are my God. Do you see that there? Look what he says. They know not, nor do they discern, for he has shut their eyes so that they cannot see and their hearts they cannot understand. I believe that's the person is shutting their eyes he's speaking about here. He refuses to listen to the truth. No one considers, nor is there knowledge or discernment to say, half of it I burned in the fire. I also baked bread on its coals. I roasted meat and have eaten. And shall I make the rest of it an abomination? Shall I fall down before a block of wood? Pretty plain, isn't it? I love this section. You wonder what God thinks about it? It's clear. God does not like it at all. All right? This is a serious thing. Uh, there is no other God. No other God in this world. Uh, God is the only one who exists, the God of the Bible, and he is alive and he is real and he shares not his glory with anyone or anything. One God. All the other gods in this world that are made up amount to nothing. That's what the Bible says. That's what God says. I'll take God's word for it. Now listen, loved ones. Yahweh is God. He is the only one we are to worship. Now I know this is offensive to people. This will not make people, and especially in our tolerance-driven society, it will not make them happy. Now I'm not telling you to read them that scripture like I just read to you, Okay. Let's use grace and wisdom and mercy, but the reality is, loved ones, we have to understand that this is still going on today. This is still happening today. And so we need to be praying and asking the Lord um, to give us wisdom as we encourage those around us. Maybe you do know somebody that prays to a false god. Um, gently showing them and warning the truth. The point that we always tell people the truth of God's word is not to offend them, but to free them from their sinfulness. And so we need to continue to remind ourselves that this is going on, but we do not pray to anyone else. God has made it very clear that he is God and he alone is God. We see many examples in scripture of this truth, don't we, loved ones? Many examples that he is God alone. I won't get into the, all the details of them, specifically by reading the passages, but we have two major ones that I, I've been reading recently of God declaring that he is God and there is no other one. Okay, kids, listen to this too. There is no other God besides Yahweh, the God of the Bible. We see the example in 1 Samuel chapter 5 when the ark was taken by the Philistines. Do you remember that story? The ark was taken by the Philistines as a result of Israel's wickedness and Eli and his, and his two sons, uh, they were wicked before the Lord and there was punishment to the nation of Israel. So the Philistines took the ark of the covenant, which is the presence of God, and they brought the ark of the covenant into their false god, Dagon into his house, and what happens in the morning when, uh, when the servants wake up, they find Dagon what? Face down. That's an awesome picture. I love it. It's like God was just like, no, right? And then not only that, they pick it up and dust Dagon off, their God, and what happens the next day? Uh, head off, arms off, like uh-uh, right? And what did, the, what did the nation of the Philistines understand? They said that the God of Israel is too powerful for their God. They understood something that he, that ark couldn't stay there. It's just going to destroy us. And so um, God made a, a statement, a very clear statement, even to the foreign nation of the Philistines. 
uh, Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 18, right? When Elijah confronts Ahab, who was a wicked king, who was married to who? The, the wicked witch of the east, Jezebel, right? And she, uh, and she had all these prophets of Baal, and uh, there was this big standoff, there's confusion in the nation of Israel, and God made a massive statement that day as well. And the nation of Israel was twisted up with watching and following all the, all the false gods and idols and Asherahs they were bowing down to. And what does Elijah do? He comes and says, let's draw a line in the sand. Let's just see whose God's real, right? And so there was this whole thing that went down. And there was sacrifice. All the prophets of Baal, they were all cutting themselves and from morning to later afternoon calling on Baal. And guess who? Did Baal answer? No, because there is no other God besides Yahweh. So Elijah, what does he do? He does the sacrifice, douses that baby with water, and he calls on Yahweh and instantly... God sends down fire from heaven and consumes the whole thing. And that day, the nation of Israel is like, Yahweh's God. Yes, Yahweh is God. There is no other, no other. Many examples we see. Loved ones, listen, listen. There is only one God, only one God who is powerful and in all authority and in all wisdom. And he is the one we pray to. No one else. Important, isn't it? We can forget these things, can't we? We can take it for granted that, hey, we just pray to God every day. Yeah, but we, we pray to a consuming fire. We pray to God who is loving and gracious, but is holy and righteous. So, what is prayer? Prayer is simply communication with God. Who do we pray to? We pray to the God of the Bible, okay? Kids in school, you're gonna face a lot of different kind of prayers that you're gonna have to kind of, well, we can do this, and we gotta thank, I've said this before in joke, we gotta thank the mat, and we gotta thank this and that, and we don't do that. Now, we be respectful, kids. Don't, don't, don't misunderstand me, okay? Guys, girls, don't misunderstand me. Don't be disrespectful, okay? Um, but we do not give homage to anybody but God, the God of the Bible, okay? You kids got that? Okay, I hope that's clear for you, okay? So, um, who do we pray to? God of the Bible. No dead ancestors. We don't fear any of that. Uh, we fear the Lord. Third question. How am I to do the action of prayer? All right? How am I to do the action of prayer? Now, you might think, well, that's kind of crazy, Mark. That's obvious. Well, it's not so obviously in the Christian circle to some. Unfortunately, it's been kind of twisted as well. All right? I see two forms of prayer. Paul says in Colossians 4 2, continue steadfastly in prayer. So, how am I to do the action of prayer? All right? Well, we see two main forms of prayer in the Bible. We see verbal prayer, that is using your mouth to pray. It's what I call out loud prayer. We are to pray out loud with our voice. We see hundreds of examples of this in Scripture. Uh, one example is um, David in Psalm 142 when he was hiding from Saul in the cave. All right? And he prays to the Lord. He says, I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. He is praying out loud. Uh, there's another way we see prayer in the Bible. It is nonverbal prayer, what I call heart prayer. It's heart prayer, all right? Where you are not speaking, you are literally speaking with your heart before God. Does everybody follow me? Everybody follow me? We see this example too many places in Scripture. Uh, one example that comes to mind is Hannah. In, Sa in 1 Samuel chapter 1, when Hannah was praying before the Lord, because uh, she was so grieved in her heart, she was married to a man who was married to another man, right? Never God's intention, never went well with sharing the same guy, these women, right? And so her rival, she says, was the one who kept on bugging her and was vitriolic to her, so hard on her because she didn't have a son, 
And so here we have Hannah is crying out in her pain before the Lord as she went on the yearly sacrifice with her husband, Elkanah, and they went to um, the priest, and she was in the presence of the priest, and she was pouring her heart out to the Lord, but her lips were, were moving, but no sound was coming out. Okay, Eli thought she was drunk. She's like, no, no, my Lord, I wasn't drunk. I am bitter of soul because she wanted children and was going through such a hard time. And so that's heart prayer. We see that many times in Scripture, all right? Uh, we see out loud prayer, heart prayer. That is how we are to pray. Now, note this. All of this prayer, vocally and in our heart, is to be done in faith, trusting God for the outcome according to his will. All right? Now, note I said his will. Now, how we are to pray with our mouth, with our voice, and with our heart is in align with the truth of God's word, which is his will. God's word is God's will. And James talks about this, how many ask for things, but they don't receive because they ask with wrong intentions, right? We are to be praying in line with the word of God because the word of God is the will of God. You follow? And so as we pray with our mouths and with our hearts, we're to pray, pray in sync with the word. We go to God for everything, absolutely everything. But our goal is not to get what we want. Our goal is to be made into the image of his son, right? And to honor him and follow him and live according to his will. So as we pray in faith, trusting God for the outcome of his will, we need to pray with our minds and our hearts aligned with the truth of his word. Now you notice how I said mind, right? We need to pray with our minds engaged and our hearts engaged. Uh, that's a serious thing because creeping ever so quickly and continues to creep in quickly is this whole idea in the Christian circle of contemplative prayer. It's close to home. I'll just say that. <laughs> it is really close to home. Where contemplative prayer is practice and it is rooted in Eastern mysticism. It's virtually as you focus on one thing and you contemplate and you let everything else fade away and wash away and you go deep, deep down to the depths of your soul and you find God there. That's virtually what it is. It's like, no, no, no. We are to pray with our minds and our hearts aligned with the truth of his word because that's his will. All right? We're not to pray contemplative prayer. All right? And, and trust me, it is seeped right in. It's seeped into the MB conference as well. And so all these different prayers, not even patterned after the prayer that Jesus told us to pattern it after, nothing even close to a biblical um, picture of what prayer is. It bothers me, and I hear it. I hear it a lot, and it bothers me. We've got to be so guarded, loved ones. Paul addresses this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. All right, He addresses this very issue. He says this. I'm just going to read it to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Verse 15, he says this. What am I to do? He's talking about tongues and all these things in the church. What am I to do? He says, I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. You have to engage your mind in your heart in prayer. All right? You do not just pray mindless prayers. You don't babble. You don't hum. You don't um. You don't do this with your fingers and everything else that the world tells you to do. All right? We pray with our minds and our spirits out loud and heart prayer. So important, loved ones. So important. Don't buy into the foolishness that is happening all around us in the Christian circle. In ours and outside. Because it is. Okay? So, Paul tells us in Colossians 4, 2, continue steadfastly in what, loved ones? And what? In 
prayer. What is prayer? Prayer is communication with God. Uh, Secondly, who do we pray to? Uh, We pray to God, God alone, the God of the Bible, our God. Third, how are we to engage uh, in the action of prayer? Out loud, vocally, with our minds and our hearts aligned with the truth of God's word. That's how we are to pray. All right, loved ones, listen. Next week, we're going to focus on the next two questions, all right? Why do I need to pray? We're called to pray, but why do I need to pray? And then, what does God want me to do now with prayer? Okay, so come back next week, and you're going to get those two questions answered. But listen, loved ones, as I close here, we're called to pray. We're called to pray. Have you been praying? Have you been calling out to God? Have you been trusting in God? We could spend time and time and time throughout our day praying. And we're going to see next week what that continuous prayer looks like. But may we be a people that pray. This is a clear call in your life in times of confusion. It's God's will that you pray. So, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for your truth. Thank you that it is so clear, Lord, that we can, and you have called us to, and we're going to see even next week, Lord, that you long for us to do this. So, Father, I ask now that you would help us in this um, action, this step of faith in calling out daily to you and continuing in prayer because we need to. So, Lord, help us. And maybe right now there's some that have not been praying. May the enemy not twist the message to knock them down, Lord, but to show your abundant grace that even now, Lord, forgive us, and we can start afresh even in this moment. It doesn't need to be a thing where we beat ourselves up. So, Lord, may we be a people that pray. May we be a people that get on our knees and call out to you. May we be a church that prays. Lord, we haven't been a church that has prayed together Um, in the way that we used to because of everything gone on. Give us wisdom how we can step out in faith and continue to be a church that prays. You call us to, Lord. You call us to. And you supersede all authority on earth. And so, Lord, help us. Lord, may this be a moment where some here start afresh their prayer life and be engaged in an amazing relationship with you as they pray. We love you, Jesus. Amen. This has been a sermon from Living Hope Bible Church. For more information about our church, please head to livinghopebiblechurch.ca.